hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends welcoming in the national audience of we have been live on Sportsnet Ontario since the end of the Leafs next gen game. I just said goodbye to Luke Gazdick who is joining me in studio. We will get you a post from Sheldon Key from the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-3 win over the Philadelphia Flyers as Jesse Rubinoff joins me. Timothy, we've got you for the next 90 leading into Hockey Central. And speaking of that game of ice hockey, Plenty more chatter coming up with Elliot Friedman, including a conversation about just how aggressive the Leafs should be in what we are now calling the division of death. Kenny Smith will also join the proceedings to talk about Pascal's 52 and Jesse, maybe Scotty's too. Yeah, yeah, we got to balance it out a little bit. I, think, I be, think we need to balance it out a little bit. Can't be sunshine and rainbows all the time. All right, we'll do that also in first things first. <laughs> we'll also ask Kenny what in the good, good name of Monte Ellis is going on with the Warriors. Plus, we'll tell you how you win this Tim and Friends hoodie. Tomorrow, we're mm. giving it away. That's all coming up. But first, let's get you caught up to date on what happened at the Leafs' ninth annual next-gen game at Scotiabank Arena, and we do that in First Things First. First Things First. Thank you, Christopher Wallace. Let's get you the highlights from the ninth annual next-gen game, bringing the kids into the building in Toronto. I love it. Toronto also loving it. 6-1-1 one one in their previous eight. Well, the team arriving in the Sick Kids Ugly Christmas sweaters in support of one of the greatest hospitals on planet Earth. Austin Matthews also sporting the Sick Kids-inspired skates. And in the first period, it was actually the Flyers who took the lead. This was their first shot on goal on the power play. Tony D'Angelo and... They led 1-0. Second period, Leafs power play, minor point shot. Kelly Yarncroft is who gets the last stick on it, his sixth in the year. And we are tied at one with the assist. Marner extends his home point streak to 14 games. Shortly thereafter, Marner, one-timer. Hart gets a piece, but not enough. And Carter Hart, who's seen the most shots and made the most saves in the NHL, all of a sudden sees the Leafs roar past them. Shots on goal when the Leafs made it 1-1. 24-7. This makes it 3-1. Austin Matthews to Michael Bunting. 14th point in the last 13 games. They keep coming in the third. Matthews. Into the free Matthews. Into the skeets of Nylander. Back to the line. Hall. In deep. A summary pass. Back in. Scores. Number 20 of the year for William Nylander. Don't mean to scare you, but William Nylander and the Willie goal has him on pace for 48. Great story here. Immediately after, 22 seconds later, Morgan Frost, son of Andy from Philadelphia goal, scored by Morgan Frost. <laughs> Slips at five hole pass. Samson off. That was just the icing right now. There's nothing. Hold on a second. At 4-3, two goals and 1-23. A great chance for Farabee and it's Austin Matthews who is able to get it and break it up. And the Leafs are able to hang on as they send the kids home happy with their seventh next-gen win now, 7-1-1. One one. 
in their nine next-gen games. Here's the Leafs on winning one for the kids. Yeah, it's always fun. Um, building's always rocking. The kids really enjoy it, um, especially when they get to take some time off school. So, um, you know, it's always fun to play in the afternoon too. It kind of reminds me of, you know, playing back in the OHL and uh, nice two o'clock's nice. I wish we had more of them to be honest. Yeah, that's definitely uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah, we were just those, we were those kids uh, not too long ago, right? And um, looking up to the Leafs and uh, cheering for them growing up in the city. So um, that, I like this kind of game, a two o'clock game, get the kids out and. And uh, it was nice to get a win for them. Good Scarborough boy, Michael Bunting, with back-to-back pretty good games for him. Seems like a far cry from the days that he was uh, spending shuffled down in the bottom six of this lineup. He's become a real key to what they do. And at his best, he's the type of player that they need when it matters most. 100%. And you look at his plus-minus, he's up there among the league leaders. Like This guy is bringing everything that you want. And I think when... Hyman went to Edmonton you're sort of searching for who's going to be that guy that steps in and fills the void and Michael Bunting has seemingly done exactly what the Leafs have needed to do now obviously it remains to be seen as to whether they can continue to fill out that top six right around the trade deadline or whatever it is but he's getting the job done now and the Leafs are really getting the job done now but piling up the victories all right so let's talk about the defense for a second and for yeah. those who weren't with us uh, immediately following the game on Sportsnet Ontario we were saying that this is uh, the second straight game in which the Leafs have held their opponents to under 20 shots on goal. Mm-hmm. There were 19 in total for the Flyers. That ties their lowest output of the season. Tampa Bay Lightning, the last team to play the Toronto Maple Leafs, they were held to 19 shots on goal in total. That is their lowest output in almost two years, Jesse. Does this denote to you, even with all the injuries, and Rasmus Sandin ends up on IR for this one, yeah. yet another one. There have been 12 different D-men to suit up for this squad, and yet they are in the top five in all major categories defensively. Does this denote to you something different? Yeah, I mean, frankly, if they can't win around this year, then I think they should just relocate. I think it's done. Like, as a franchise, they might just have to fold. because Back it up, back it in? Yeah, I mean, you're getting to a point here where your general manager is in the final year of his deals. You would assume that he's going to go and try and do what he can to supplement this roster. And what you've seen from this roster, and yes, we've seen it in years past, but you can't watch the games and pretend that what you're watching isn't happening. Right? Yes, the game changes a little bit in the playoffs. Change, but changes a lot. It changes a lot in the playoffs. A lot yeah. more physical. You know, remains to be seen if they have that sort of physicality and toughness that a lot of people still think that they lack. Mm-hmm. But from watching the games right now, they are dominating everyone. Like not just the Flyers, who are having a really tough year. They're in a rebuild. Yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning is a, is a different breed. Yes, you can have the caveat all you want, but then why are you watching? Why are you watching? If you're having your eyes on the game, you are watching this team and they are dominating. Yeah, but De- Devil's advocate here. Yeah. You're getting the feedback. There's a lot of Leaf fans that aren't watching. Yes. They're waiting. Because they're, they're waiting. Right. Yeah. And I, I believe, and I've said this for years, that you sow the seeds that you reap in the playoffs in the mm-hmm. regular season. And what I've seen from the Leafs this year and whether or not they continue it is what you got to be looking out for. But what you've seen the last little while... What they've been able to do defensively is what gets them to the spot that they Mm -hmm. need to be, and that is winning at least a round when it matters most. Ilya Samsonov picked up his ninth win of the season, and he talked about bouncing back. He had a tough one against his old team, the Capitals, on Saturday. I feel good sometimes. Sometimes we have bad days, yeah. 
it's it's life. But I will be I will be back um, 27, yeah, and uh, a little bit work with my mental in a Christmas break. I mean, like maybe fishing, maybe something here, yeah. and um, it's a new energy, new power, yeah. Gonna go fish? Is it just me? Or does Samsonov have a little Ilya Bryzgalov in him? He's a, he's a bit him? of a character. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a bit yeah, of a character. Yeah, he's got a little bit of that in him. That probably plays well in the, in the room, too. Is, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Backup goalie being also a comedian goes over really yeah. well. And I'm not even, like, he is going to play more than most backups play because the goal of the Toronto Maple Leafs is to keep both, both of those guys healthy. Yeah, and I, when I, we were talking about this uh, before the show, obviously his numbers have been sensational to start the year. Matt Murray's have been sensational as well. And I want to get your opinion just on this, that Samsonov's been able to step in when Murray hasn't been healthy. Mm-hmm. But I've changed my tune on this. I was concerned about Matt Murray for the Leafs, from the Leafs' perspective to start the year. Of course you were, because he got injured again. He got in, and he got injured, yeah, he got yeah. injured again. Again. But he's a cup-winning goaltender. And Correct. he has the pedigree that the Leafs haven't had in a very long time. So there's that. And then the defense, when you lost Morgan Riley, the ability for guys to step up would tell me that defensively, their six are better than we thought they were going into the year. You didn't know that they were capable of this. You didn't know Sandine was going to be this good. Didn't know Giordano was going to be this good. Lilligren. Giordano's been unbelievable. I think you've seen Sandine and Lilligren grow up a little bit. I don't know if they're better. I think what we're seeing, I think when you hold a team to 19 shots, it's not defense and goaltending. It's everybody. That's the team. Yeah. And you and I, for years, have been talking about The Toronto Maple Leafs are at their best when they're playing team defense. And I think what we have seen over the last little while is the entire team needed to buy in Mm -hmm. when they lost Muzzin, when they lost Morgan Riley, when they lost Sandine or Ben or whoever it was because it was obvious that they were going to need help. And in the end, sometimes good things come from bad things, Jesse. In the end, all these injuries may help the Toronto Maple Leafs when it matters most because they realize if they get buy-in from everybody, they're tough to beat. And right now, they are legitimately tough to beat. It's confidence. It's a huge, huge part of it, right? Confidence. Um, How much of a part of it? So this is, this is the last question we'll ask on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But it feels to me like there is this chatter, this... I mean, we, we fire up the hot stove a lot. Mm-hmm. The hot stove is starting to get some coals, some embers lit here, Jesse, because Luke Fox earlier today talked about how aggressive he thinks Kyle Dubas could be when it comes to the trade deadline. If, in fact, and I hate talking about this because it means that Jake Muzzin would be out for the year and that would be terrible, but for there sure. is this for feeling sure. that... Jake Muzzin's injury might be a little worse than we initially anticipated. Mm-hmm. But if, in fact, he is out, they are going to have some serious cap space that they may be, nobody has cap space in the National Hockey League. The Leafs may have some cap space that they can work with. Could they go out and maybe pick up a, I don't know, Jacob Chikrin? Mm-hmm. Or I've heard people bring up Ryan O'Reilly's name and what he can do for you in the postseason and what he could bring to the table. Do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs need to be aggressive in what is probably the toughest top three of any division in the the league. There's no no question in my mind. And and I think the fact that Dubas is in the final year of his deal to looms large in that as well. Without a doubt. And obviously when you make a move of like significant magnitude, you're going to have to sell it to 
everybody else involved in the organization. You can't just go nuts because you're in the final year of your deal. <laughs> yeah. But he's been proven that he's been pretty responsible. He's tried moves yep. before. He tried the Nick Foligno thing, didn't work out. Tried Colin Blackwell, the, the, the didn't Nick work Fo- out. The, the Nick Foligno didn't work out because Nick Foligno was hurt. Right. I feel bad on that one. Nick Foligno never, I mean, you can see what Nick Foligno is right now. Yeah, he's tried, but Significant it, I mean, piece. in that article, some of the names that are in there, you mentioned some of them, like Bo Horvat's also in that article. Yep. And you start to wonder, you mentioned Chikrin when you were talking with Luke Gazik, you start to wonder, is it, do you supplement the D in case there's an injury of some sort there and Giordano's 39 years old, how many miles can you put in him in the playoffs? Or do you fill out the top six with someone like a Bo Horvat or a Ryan O'Reilly? Or do you go completely all in and try and get both and mortgage the farm for the future? And just based on what I think we're seeing and the fact that he's in the final year of his deal, this is probably the time to do that. Yeah, I, I think there might be a major move for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I also think there could be a couple of minor moves and maybe just, uh, as Luke Gadstick said when he came in here, maybe, maybe there's a, a tough guy on the D that can help out a little bit, yeah. make them a little more grimy, make them a little more tougher, and, and maybe the same on the offensive side of things. And instead of going after the big, sexy name, there's a couple smaller names that the Leafs could actually augment to help them win instead of going out and being sexy like every fan wants them to be. So essentially what you're saying is they need a Muzzin, like a, like a Luke Shen or someone like that. Well, yeah, Luke, Luke Shen might be a perfect fit yeah. to return to Toronto, and uh, I think Vancouver may be willing to part with yes. Luke Shen. Yeah. Uh, we will continue. Guy goes out there, hits, and makes it pay. Yeah, 100%. We will continue the Leafs conversation. Nice having this 2 p.m. game it's Eastern time just that like we can talk content. about. Yeah, I, I wish we had more afternoon hockey affairs. And the Leafs talk. do, too, because yeah. all they do is win the next-gen games. 7-1-1 yes. now, and next-gen Marner scores a billion points when he plays in those. Uh, okay, let's go to the Edmonton Oilers, because they snapped their three-game losing streak with a win over the Stars in Dallas last night. Jay Woodcroft. Split up Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and the offense produced six goals. I feel like, we, similar to the Leafs in the first round, I feel like we talk about this every single year with either splitting them up or putting them together, but do you expect to see more of that going forward with those two? Yeah, until it goes cold, and then they'll just go back <laughs> exactly. to the second. You, you and I have walked exactly. this road many times. It's wonderful to see. Yeah. It becomes uh, the start of Mark Spector's story every time. <laughs> Can they split them up and still score goals? Yeah. When it goes cold, they split them up. When that goes cold, they put them back together. It's obvious what you do, how you do it. You could probably say the same thing about Matthews and Marner in Toronto, and Jay Woodcroft is going to try tested and true. If if something happens here, you split them up, and if something happens with that, you put them back together. But I will say this, Jesse. I mean, you and I had a conversation about the top four forwards yes, on both the Oilers and the Maple Leafs and how good they were one. So we're splitting hairs of really goodness to greatness. Neck but and neck, yeah. if you look at Zach Hyman, 15, that's four guys now with 15 or more only team in the National Hockey League that has four forwards with 15 goals or more. And you look at R&H's numbers, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like, I feel like a lot of people, and I said this to you when we had the conversation, what, about a week ago? Yeah. Maybe a week and a half ago? Mm-hmm. I, I said, I don't think we're taking into account the kind of numbers that he's actually putting up. I think we're resting on the history of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and now you see it. Like, 41 points. Like, this is not just another season for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He is having a wonderful campaign. 
10th in the NHL with 41 points in 34 games. So and, that's three in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, and they, they've been incredible. They, and they, Kane's out. Yeah. No, they've been incredible and they carry the team and similar to the Leafs, although it, it feels like the Leafs is more of a team structure like we talked about uh, just now. But I want to get your opinion on Nugent Hopkins. Like, is he flying under the radar because he was the top pick? Everyone expected sort of this. And old ha- habits die hard because it wasn't happening for a long time, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly what yeah. people are doing. They're just looking at the, the history of Ryan Nugent Hopkins and saying, I know the player. Yeah. And that doesn't always work. Like, and it doesn't always click like this. And it doesn't all, I always say, like, when guys come into the NHL, you got to give them some patience. And we have absolutely no patience in 2022. And I don't blame Oilers fans. He's been there a long time. It's not as if this is year three or four or five. Like, Nugent Hopkins has been there for a while. But what you're seeing this year, offensively, and he's always been pretty good defensively, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but offensively what you're seeing is what you expected for a long time and never got. That doesn't diminish that you're getting it now. No question. Uh, From a great performance by Nugent Hopkins, specifically in the Oilers, we go to just an unbelievable performance on the basketball court for Pascal Siakam at Madison Square Garden. 52 points, a career high for Pascal as the Raptors snap their six-game losing streak and the Knicks' eight-game winning streak. Siakam joins an exclusive list of visiting players to drop 50 at the Mecca of basketball. Was that a season-saving performance from Pascal and the Raptors? That's the exact question that I was going to ask you. I I was going to sit here and listen. There is some context here. The six-game losing streak is one of them. The Knicks' eight-game winning streak is also one of them. That all comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes struggling mightily, mightily in this game. Mightily. And Pascal Siakam dropping the 52. That's just the fifth player in franchise history to get to 50-plus as I try and scramble from post-game hockey mode to remembering my basketball-ish <laughs> stuff. Vince Carter, DeMar DeRozan, Terrence Ross, and Fred Van Vliet are the only other Raptors to have ever scored 50 or more. That's now 90 in his last two games. Unbelievable. With 24 boards and 13 assists. In fact, the 90 points over those two games is a Raptors record for the most points scored over a two-game span. I wonder if Siakam was trying or is trying to prove something here, that the season is seemingly on the line. And, and maybe even the more important question for all Raptor fans, Jesse, is can he be the guy on a great team? Can the Toronto Raptors be great with Pascal Siakam as their lead dog. And it feels like, right now, Mm -hmm. Pascal Siakam is trying to show that. Yes. I think the answer to that question is yes, he can be. And I do think there... Really? On a great team or just on... I'm I'm not talking 14-18. I'm talking they need to win games. And it feels like he can be a lead dog, but he can't carry them right now. So continue the conversation. I think when you, if you were to flash that standings board up again yeah. and you were to look through the National Basketball Association okay. and you go on a team-by-team team basis, we're flashing, how many guys are there truly in the league Not many. that can carry a team to what, a, a, an NBA championship or a finals? Leave it up there, guys. Let's talk about it. And you look at, for example, the Bucks, the Bucks have Giannis, and Giannis. that is an exception. Giannis is an exception. He's also a, a multi-time MVP. 
Is Donovan Mitchell that guy? No. But he needs help to be where he is in the standings. Boston has a dynamic duo who is okay. arguably the best duo in the league. So when you look at what Pascal is, and if you want to quantify it and say he's a, a top 15 guy, which would make him a great player in this league, a superstar in this league, because there aren't that many superstars. No, no, he's an all-star. He's an all-NBA player. That means top 15. Top 15. Yeah. But when you look at that, there aren't many guys that are actually better than him, one individual player that could carry a team. Okay. If you were to sw swap right now with many players in the league, I'm not sure there are many that would be better than the Raptors are right now if you, if you swapped out Pascal. But that's not what I'm asking. Okay. I'm asking superstar, carry your team to being great mm -hmm. because, and I've used this stat a bunch of times, you've heard me say, this is what I'm asking yeah. about Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Since 1979, only three teams have ever won an NBA championship without an MVP, mm -hmm. current, future, or past on the squad. One of them was the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard. I'm asking you, is Pascal Siakam Kawhi Leonard? Is he MVP-like? There are only five of those dudes, maybe six of those dudes in the NBA, but the, 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 the past of this league has suggested that you absolutely need one of those guys mm -hmm. in order to win a championship. And if, God forbid, Kawhi ever played an entire season, he could be an MVP. Mm -hmm. I think we would all agree that oh, no, MVP no calendar, no he is that dude. Is Pascal that dude? Yes. Woo! I think he is. I think if you look statistically at what he's been able to accomplish, you just said it, 90 points in the last two games. And I'm not just talking about the last two games because – at the beginning of, I believe it was two seasons ago, we were having the conversation, is Pascal in the running for MVP? At the beginning of this season, before he got hurt, there were rumblings, is Pascal Siakam making his way into the MVP conversation? He got hurt, that conversation got derailed, and now with him coming back and playing the way he is, if he can keep this up for not quite this level, but a sustained period, you're going to hear rumblings again is Pascal in the top five of the MVP conversation? You are going to hear that again if he keeps this up. I would, I would love to go, and we won't have the time. This is so much fun. But in the it. next couple days, maybe the week, we'll go through five guys. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We're talking all-NBA first team. Yeah. Because in order to be in that conversation, you've got to be a first-team all-NBA mm -hmm. player. Is Pascal that dude? I think that's what the Raptors are trying to figure out, and this little stretch here uh, may help them. One tiny, tiny point to your Kawhi. No, no, don't have a ton of time. But even when Kawhi was here, he still had Pascal. And he still had Kyle. Correct. And Fred, who is now, I don't know, you want to call him the second option on this team? Fred was the fourth guy on that roster. And Kawhi had help. Pascal, in this current iteration yeah, yeah. of the Raptors, yeah, yeah. No, no, does all, not have... All those guys. LeBron he, has had help, except for one year. Yeah. Um, Every guy, the big three in boss. Like, mm -hmm. big three became a thing because you know you need help. I completely agree with that. You need to insulate him. I don't know if Pascal is that guy yet, but I will say this. His teammates were very happy for him. No question. When you go to the big stage yeah. that is MSG and you do that, uh, you get this when you enter the <laughs> locker room. Gee.
OG's in extra. OG won the moment. How about how about Bo Cruz being a good teammate too? Bo Cruz is the best. I I feel like this team needed that. You can see it right here. Yeah, you can absolutely positively see it right there in that moment. And let me just say this: it's not the first time Pascal has gone for fifty. I mean fifty. Nice. It's just that wins. That won the Halloween that he dressed dressed up like that. But that that might be one of the best costumes frankly, of all time. Uh, if you don't get the reference, ask uh, anyone who likes hip-hop or your family members who are under the age of 45? Mm, I think younger. 40? I'm 47. I know who 50 is. Okay. Sorry. I, my apologies. Oh. My apologies. Still to come, Kenny Smith drops by with his thoughts on the Raptors. <laughs> Remember, Kenny was high on the Raptors to start the year. Is he still high? on the Raptors. We'll maybe ask him what the hell's going on with the Warriors after the break, though. Elliot Friedman in studio. Is he still wearing that jacket? Does he think the Leafs are different? All the buzz from around the league. <clears throat> Coming up next on Tim and Friends. I thought I could get it with the Pierre Friedman. What a night for Pascal Siakam on the big stage. 52 for number 43. The spiciest of evenings for Pascal Siakam. This one mercifully ends. Up top. Edmonton Oilers could also use a win. Save on to rebound, bounced around and scored. Shot scored. What timer score? McDavid's away to the net, shoots and scores. It's the final Leaf home game of 2022, the last game before Christmas. And a Christmas morning era of excitement at Scotiabank for the annual next-gen game. The Maple Leafs entertain the Philadelphia Flyers. Christmas and a Christmas morning air of excitement at Scotiabank. Walking into the rink today and seeing all the smiling young kids, the great atmosphere and a great moment. In deep, a centering pass, back in, scores! Number 20 for William Nylander. The Flyers, it's Farabee, scores! And Philadelphia is within one. And it might be a wild next-gen finish. Another chance, open net, and Farabee missed the wide open net. Carter Hart's gone to the bench, net is empty, and Konechny, and the shot, one more time, and Konechny breaks his stick, and the Leafs are going to win it on next-gen afternoon. Welcome back. The Toronto Maple Leafs hold the Philadelphia Flyers to 19 shots on goal and hold on for the win 4-3 this afternoon at the next-gen game in Toronto. Here's head coach Sheldon Keefe on some uh, rather nervy moments at the end. I mean, obviously, I think we had some opportunities to just ice the game and put it in the net, and, and we were unable to do that. Uh, but in terms of how we played, I thought we didn't panic through that. We've been in that situation before, and it looked like it. All right, part of the broadcast crew, Elliot Friedman, has joined me now for 3 of 32. Brought to you by GMC and the new Sierra AT4X. Fridge, is it true that you changed from one Christmas outfit to another Christmas outfit <laughs> from the game broadcast on Sportsnet Ontario to here? It's not, because this is the shirt I was wearing underneath the jacket. Oh, <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I didn't now, even technically, know we had to wear ties, so I wore a shirt with a tie, so I didn't have to wear an actual tie. Okay, but what happened with Brian Burke when he used to work on that show? 
You know that, uh, so this is the true story. <laughs> the first show he did, yeah. he wore his tie around his neck yeah. like that. And then there was a big debate. Uh, they, someone said to him, you should wear your tie properly. Right. And he asked me what I thought, and I said, no, you shouldn't, because it's you. You, yeah. You should argue that that's who you are. But he lost the argument because the person in charge said, people will be looking at your tie instead of listening to what you say. Oh. So that that's... Matter? Actually, I think it would be better not to hear anything <laughs> he says. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot says that when Brian's yeah. not He's here. in Toronto right now. <laughs> yeah, so back he, home yeah he, he, could, he could, in theory... Come find me on the street we'll somewhere. We'll see if we get a text by the end of the show. I'm not sure he could catch me, though. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about that Leafs game. Yep. Uh, it did get a little interesting at the end, mm-hmm. and Ilya Samsonov uh, had uh, had to make a couple stops at the end. But we mentioned that shots on goal number. Two yep. straight games, 19 shots on goal. You saw Austin Matthews make a great play That was the big, biggest the play of the game, Matthews um, there. Yep. To, to get in front of... Joel Farabee as he tried a shot. Uh, what do you make of this Leafs team, what they're doing defensively, and if it's any different from any it, other You know, it's 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 so funny, Tim. I was talking about this. Like, you know, like, like you, I grew up in Toronto, so I got some friends who are huge Leaf fans. And, you know, I, I said to Marchese today, I said that uh, – it's like Godfather 3. Just when I'm out, they suck me back in. Like, they, they look great. The way they've played this year, it's been – they deserve a lot of credit. Yep. They've, they've, got, they've, had, they've used 12D. They've had goalies hurt. Like, both, goal, both goalies were out for a while. And they're one of the best defensive teams in the league, and they're committed to doing it. Um, but, you know, I mean, the amazing thing to me is the year of the Canadian division, where they won the division, I thought they were a great team all year. Yep. They lost in the first round. There were a lot of times last year I watched the way they played and I thought they were playing the right way. They lost in the first round. And I watched them this year right now, and I think they're playing really, really well. And I don't know if it's a mental thing or whatever it is, but, I again, like for the third straight year, I look at the way they play for good chunks of the season, mm-hmm. and I think it's the way you need to play to be successful. Right. And I think you can look at this team given their history and say – give them all the credit in the world for what they're doing right now, especially mm-hmm. how they've had to go about doing it with all the injuries, and still say, I need to see it when it matters most. That's fair with this group. It is fair, but I, I think this year appears to be even more unique in the sense that they've really been beaten up. Yep. Um, like they, They've had years where they were in the, in the regular season where they played well, but they didn't have these kinds of injury problems. This one has been... Uh, this one has really tested their depth. Yeah. This one has really tested their team play, and uh, and and they've been they've been excellent. They deserve a lot of credit. All right. So all that said, being in the division of death that they are, you know, it's Tampa or Boston in the first round. It's Tampa or Boston in the unless second. they catch Boston and somehow win the division. But right. by the standings, the math isn't good. And but, even if you do get that, you'll probably get one of the two in the second round. Yes, you right. you would assume. Uh, you you would assume that that is. I mean, you know what? They're, They're four points back, yeah, but so they have you know three what? games I in hand. I misread the I misread the thing. Um, three you know, games in hand, though. Yeah, they've got. You know, Bruins have three games in hand. Yeah. The math is with the Bruins. Of course, there's no question about it. But you know, like I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, in this division, unless you finish first, you, you know what you're going to get, and that's an absolutely tough, tough matchup. Okay, so that said. When I saw Luke Fox's column on Sportsnet.ca earlier today about Dubis being aggressive 
for this trade deadline. I thought, is Elliot Friedman coming in today? Because I'd like to ask him about this. Do you think, and listen, I understand that the caveat here is the health of Jake Muzzin, and I feel terrible about that because obviously it seems like a real significant injury to Jake Muzzin. Yep. If he is out of the lineup and they have that cap space, which not a lot of teams have, do you think they'll be really aggressive this trade deadline? First of all, I, I, you know, I, I was looking at that picture on Luke's column there showing, and the only thing I could think of is, what do you think Kyle's looking at at the other end of that <laughs> picture? <laughs> Can we get that up one more time? I know Des, we're asking a lot here. Like, yeah. what do you think is on the other end of that? What's just out of frame? <laughs> uh, you could do a good meme thing. Steve for, Simmons? Yeah, it's a reporter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, which reporter is it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's one reporter. Yeah, um, it could be Sean McKenzie. You know, like, the thing is, uh, I... I I don't think the the question has ever been, is he going to be aggressive? I I don't think he's ever been afraid to be aggressive. Um, I think the biggest thing I look at with them right now is, you know, a a couple months ago I was starting to ask around, like, what do you think Toronto does? What do you think they do? And I I think the question has always been defense. I think especially with – I agree with you with Muzzin. I think it's extremely unlikely he's going to play this year. So I think they're going to look at adding another D. Well, their defense has actually been pretty good. And I, I don't think enough has been talked about over the years about some of those series, if they had another goal scorer, I think they would have won. Like, there were, like they've had trouble scoring in, in, some, in some of those series against yeah. Tampa last year, you Montreal the year before. Marner, Nylander, they Matthews couldn't, together, They couldn't yeah. get, like, I have thought, there have been times this year I've thought, do they need a left shot score more than they need a defenseman? And I, that, that's the thing, like, they, the only the problem is they only have three draft picks this year, and they could lose one. Arizona has a choice, right? So they don't. They have good prospects. They have some really good prospects. Uh, my biggest question is, I think Dubis has always looked at it like his his biggest shot this year is going to be on a D, right? And then whatever's left, he'll look at the forward. I've always wondered: is there any chance he changes his mind? Any chance he changes? His mind? Uh, as you were as you were saying, a left shot score, I. Peeked at a picture behind you of Ryan O'Reilly just to see which way his hands were going, and he's uh, he happens to be a left shot. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know he's a centerman, and I know he can do a lot of different things. Good players can play anywhere, yeah. but I, I still think they're going to try to resign him. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but uh, I mean, one guy I think they they looked at, but I don't think they can fit him is uh, is Frank Vitrano from Anaheim. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that they've liked before, but I don't I don't think they can fit him. Um, but I, I, I do wonder if there's if they if any of this makes them think, hey, we could do a left shot scorer first. Hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch that moving forward. Who, who's who's the other team right now that has piqued your interest the most? And I'm gonna open it up because sometimes it's Winnipeg. It is the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, I'm really curious to see they play they play uh, Boston tonight and they play yeah. Washington tomorrow. Yeah, three That's games, a four nights. Tough back to back to end uh, the pre Christmas schedule. Um, you know, I watched that game the other night when they beat Ottawa, and they had no Hellebuck, yeah. and they got no Wheelers, and no Schmidt, no Schmidt, no Wheeler, no Wheeler, yeah. And what? And they they handled them. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a couple tough moments like every team does, but I think that Rick Bonus has walked in there. He's like the 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 new sheriff in town who kicks the saloon door open. And announces his presence very loudly, but I think once the Jets players got past the noise of of, of the captaincy change, yeah, they realized that this is a guy who has some rules about how he wants you to play, 
but you know he's not a guy who like he's like one of them said it's like playing for your grandfather right and I think they understand that he wants to play a simple game he demands that people are in the places that he they, that he wants them to be and the other night I saw a team that you know I, I just thought played really smart they, they they no matter who's out of the lineup here's the rules how we have to play right. and when you become like that Tim I think you're a team that can win games when you're shorthanded or maybe you're not supposed to win. This isn't to throw shade, but last year you thought that this could have been the best team in Canada, and I was right there with you. Like, you look at the talent on the team and the balance of the talent on the team, and one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League when he's on his game, he wasn't necessarily on his game last year. This year he's back on his game. I mean... Could they be that team this year that you thought they were last year? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think they have a chance to do it. I mean, they're. I mean, what else? What other proof do we need? You know, we're 35 games into the season. At some point in time, it's not a fluke anymore. Right. I mean, I, I will say this. I, I have one prediction a year that makes me look like uh, Wiley Coyote Everyone after a does. bad experience <laughs> on the road. The Jets were the team. Well, this year, year, you know, Anthony and I on the opening night, they asked, uh, or, or Dave asked us who are. Uh, Vesna picks were and and Anthony said Jack Campbell and I said Thatcher Demko and neither <laughs> one of them is trending in that direction. <laughs> no, I would have to say that's a tough one, yeah. But you know, Winnipeg, I I, I like Winnipeg's personnel. I, I think they've got good players, and I said this the other night. But Winnipeg has done usually done a very good job of finding depth players who or who can play a role for them or players that you wouldn't necessarily think. I can't remember when they traded Jacob Truba for Pionk. We were all sitting there saying. Yeah. What? And, you know, Pionk's turned out to be a really good player for them. They, they knew what they were doing. We're going to see a little bit tonight, too. Back-to-back games. Boston, obviously, at home. 17-0-2. Yep. That's why you're seeing the value on the Winnipeg Jets tonight when yep. they flash up the odds because Boston has been unbeatable at home unless you're going to extra time, 17-0-2. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do tonight. And we're hearing that Connor Hellebuck will be back in that for Winnipeg tonight after missing some time with a non-COVID illness. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad to glad to hear that. Hellebuck, I don't know if he'll win it, but I think he's going to be, if he continues this way, he's going to be in the MVP conversation. Oh, the MVP. I was going to say, if yeah. you're going to say the Vesna, if you're going to conclude that with the Vesna, I was like, yeah, he's already there, my friend. You know, but, I was, if I can say the Vesna, you'd probably go 0 and 40 to finish the season, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Right, MVP. That's an interesting conversation. Uh, no doubt that team has surprised a lot of people, and he's been a huge part of it. Hey, uh, festive spirit. I absolutely love it. Uh, happy fifth night of Hanukkah to you That's and fun. yours. Uh, appreciate you coming in and doing this. Yes. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas to all the great Sportsnet viewers. Happy holidays. That is a wonderful shirt. So that was what you were wearing underneath Underneath the jacket. (laughs) That's a lot. All right, time for a break. On the other side, I will say I'm wearing my really bad Santa beard. (laughs) Uh, We'll talk more hockey. Plus, Kenny Smith is coming up. We'll tell you how to win our Tim and Friends hoodie for tomorrow. Kenny the Jet Smith coming up. This is going to be solid end of the show. I hope.
Thank you very much. Sheepdogs. That's right. Sheepdogs. In a new tune, I'm ready for Christmas. Man, they make catchy-ish. Do they not? Yeah, I was just thinking in my head, like, how can you listen to that and not, and not enjoy it? And bop. Yeah. yeah. You just have to move a little bit. How does a Christmas song have the nod factor? Yeah, it does. It is available wherever you get your music. Happy holidays to our good buddies, the Sheepdogs, and to all of you. And speaking of happy holidays, Jesse, uh, we're trying to make... Uh, a happy holiday for one with the hoodie and a happy holiday for more on how you win this mm-hmm. hoodie. We had one Canada hoodie left over and we decided we would give it out by going a little bit of a different route here. Donating to your local food bank. All you got to do is send us a photo or for your proof of entry. Uh, follow us at Tim and Friends. Make sure you do that. And we're going to pick a winner at random here. So a great idea by our friend of the show, uh, Jimmy who came up with this thing and got us on board with it, and we are going to reveal the winner tomorrow Mm -hmm. before the show is off for the holiday break. So uh, get to your food bank, your local food bank, show us uh, your proof, and then you are entered. You don't even got to go to the food bank. You you can drop it off at any drop box. You can take a picture of your receipt by donating it. You can take a picture of the bag that you purchased at your local grocery store because they will send it to the food. Any one of those ways, just do something good for somebody else. Send us a picture. We'll put you in the draw for this. And uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but we may be getting a few more of these down the road. And we may, over the Christmas and holiday break, take care of a few more people. Have you figured out who is uh, footing the bill for those yet? It's irrelevant, <laughs> Jesse. That is irrelevant. We will get it done. Uh, Sammy Kaz offered to help out yesterday. Sam Cosentino, absolute legend. Um, so I was, uh, I was doing my reading for the show, and obviously uh-huh. we were doing the Leafs post-game show on Sportsnet Ontario, and then we had the Pascal 52, and a lot of things started clouding old Uncle Timmy's brain. And I only have a certain amount of brain capacity, and the rest just kind of flows out this way. Sure. But I was kind of sort of leafing through some of the Carlos Correa to the New York Mets stuff. Mm -hmm. And something popped into the back of my head that I couldn't get rid of. Through the Leafs game against the Flyers, 4-3 win, by the way. um, Through Pascal Siakam dropping 52 at Madison Square Garden and beyond. The Oilers getting help from uh, their secondary scorers. Carlos Correa has never played a Major League Baseball game at anywhere but shortstop. Mm Mm-hmm. And one night, he was signing long-term for $350 million with the San Francisco Giants. And when everyone woke up the next day, he was in New York. Now, I understand that he plays third base for Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico! Because his friend, Francisco Lindor, plays shortstop. Met shortstop. Also, Francisco Lindor. So I get it. But do you think maybe there might be something a little more to worry about when you're paying now $315 million on a long-term deal for Carlos Correa that he would switch like that given the failed physical in San Francisco? Like, part of me had, like, warning signals flashing. (laughs) Like, maybe we didn't take... like. This is one of the better players in Major League Baseball. We all understand that. But is there a significant enough injury that would cause a guy to flip the script and do a complete 180 from San Francisco to New York to play not even his 
only position. So you mean he would be more hurt than he's letting on sort of thing? Correct. And that that would get you to third base in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And that would get you to take whoever's going to give you $300 million in the matter of, like, didn't you expect that even if something fell apart, that it would be less than or more than 24 hours later that he would sign that deal? I, I couldn't believe how... Shocked. Yeah, we just woke up and it was done. But I guess, I guess whatever happened with the Giants, he was like, I'm going to go to whoever's then paying me the most regardless of where I play. And it's possible that the Mets just offered way more than anybody else other than the Giants would have offered. Would you give up shortstop A -Rod that easily? A-Rod did it. A -Rod did it. Uh, there are a lot of guys that have done it. Would mm -hmm. you do it that easily? This guy's not old. This isn't A-Rod at 35. For that amount of money? You would do I it. I do a lot. If Carlos Correa gets hurt, remember this moment. It's very, yeah, that's, the spidey senses are going, I can tell. Without a doubt. Uh, on the other side, we will reset the Leafs highlights from today's next-gen afternoon game. That was a 2 p.m. Eastern start for all the kids that normally can't get into these games. Plus, the legend Kenny the Jet Smith will stop by to discuss Pascal Siakam and whether or not the Raps are still contenders in the East. All that next. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Jim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Once again, thank you very much, Sheepdogs. It feels like we've already had a show and a half here. Leafs postgame on Sportsnet Ontario. And then uh, Elliot Friedman in studio. Oh, but speaking of Elliot Friedman in studio, mm -hmm. uh, Tim and Friends tweeting out a picture. Impressive wardrobe change from the earlier Leafs broadcast for Elliot Friedman. A very festive shirt to which Jay responds, looking like the morning after the staff Christmas party. Is Elliot? People <laughs> love going uh, after Fridge. That's outfits. pretty good. Well, let's yeah. let's be honest here. Fridge calls it on himself. <laughs> yeah, he does. On yeah. purpose, which is the fine. hair, the beard, yeah. the, all the stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. fine. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh? Yes, right? exactly. And exactly. Fridge does that very well. So we're back here for another half an hour. Tim and friends, Kenny the Jet Smith will join us shortly. A night after Pascal Siakam went off for fifty-two at MSG, we'll hand it off to Hockey Central. Seven games on the ice tonight, but. One already in the books this afternoon as the Leafs host the Flyers in their next-gen game. Ninth edition, Toronto 6-1-1 in the previous eight. They did it again today. Team arriving in the sick kids' ugly Christmas sweaters in support of one of the best hospitals on planet Earth. Austin Matthews also sporting the nice skates. Uh, first period, Flyers in the power play. This is their first shot on goal. It comes from Tony D'Angelo, and it's a goal. One nothing. Flyers led. Second period before the Leafs are able to respond. They do so on the power play as well. Marner at the point. Wires one through. Kelly Hunkrook is able to redirect it home. Leafs dominating shots on goal 24-7 Toronto. And it's finally 1-1. And if you're having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I've got 99 problems, but Mitch ain't one. Marner 13th. Carter Hart got a piece, but not enough. It is his ninth goal in nine next-gen games for Mitchie Boy. Kids having a great time, and so are the Leafs when William Nylander finds Austin Matthews, an extra pass to Michael Bunting, who's been warm of late, 14 point in 13 games, and the Leafs kept coming with William Nylander. 
into the fray, Matthews. Into the skeets of Nylander. Back to the line, Hall. In deep, a centering pass. Back in, scores! Number 20 of the year for William Nylander. So it looks like the Leafs are rolling. That's a Willie goal on next-gen day. But the Flyers immediately respond. 22 seconds later, Morgan Frost, whose dad was the PA announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs for years. In fact, they scored two goals in 123, and the Flyers were down 4-3. He's over five to play. Cross-crease pass to Joel Faraby. Austin Matthews gets the stick in to disrupt just enough and break up a goal under three to go. Another cross-ice feed. Frost, a chance to tie it. Samsonov gets across to make the save on the Aurora Ontario native. Leafs send the kids home happy with their seventh next-gen win. I like these afternoon games, I'm not gonna lie, because it gives us a little bit of content for the day. 4-3 is the final. Here's Sheldon Keefe on the line of Matthews, Nylander, and Bunch. Yeah, no secret. We've got multiple uh, multiple weapons there offensively that teams have got to be be aware of. I think that uh, you know, that line, Matthews, Willie, and, and Bunce were really good again here today. I, I love the way they just went out and grabbed a hold of the game in the third period. Yeah, I'm feeling good about my game. I think I'm um, playing, uh, you know, just sticking to my game, getting to the, the dirty areas, going to the net, um, be reliable on the defensive side of the, the puck, and then offense will come with that. So um, right now I think our line is playing really well together. We're, we're enjoying it out there, and um, we want to, you know, keep it going after the, the holidays here. In Ottawa tonight, the Sens host Ovi and the Caps. Ovechkin still looking to pass or tie Gordie Howe's 8-0-1 tonight. Timmy Stutzla returns for the Sens after missing four games with a shoulder injury. Knew that was good news when it came out. Didn't miss as much time as he thought. Sens game tomorrow night against the Wings in Ottawa. Postponed heavy winter storm expected for much of the East Coast. As Alberta freezes, the Flames continuing their California road trip as they face the Kings. Like minus 40 again. Oh, it's unbelievable. Like record lows. Every you can see it at Sportsnet West, 1030 Eastern, 830 Mountain. Dan Vladar expected to get the start for the Flames in Anaheim. It's unbelievable. So cold. So cold. Like real cold. Like nose hairs freeze cold. Like that. Yeah. Vancouver, the Canucks trying to ease the tension, having lost three straight and won just five times in 15 games on home ice tonight. Uh, good news. Elias Pettersson, game-time decision against the crack. Doesn't mean he'll play, but it means that he's close. Missed the last couple with illness. You can see the game regionally, Sportsnet Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7. I think they need both. him. Yeah, I think he's important. Yeah, do you? Yeah. Ask Bush Boudreaux that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Jets facing the Bruins in Boston. Connor Hellebuck will be back in net after missing the Jets' win over the Sens. Bruins have yet to lose at home in regulation, 17-0-2 at home. The Jets will wrap up their pre-holiday schedule in Washington against Ovi and the Cavs tomorrow. Did you know that NBA action is fantastic, Jesse? It is fantastic. And on the network tonight, you can see it as the Wiz visit the Jazz on Sportsnet 1. The Wiz snapped an ugly 10-game losing streak last time out against the Suns. Uh, the Jazz sit eighth, but only three games out of first in what is a very tight Western Conference. A new career best for Pascal Siakam. 45 at the Garden. What a night for Pascal Siakam on the big stage. Pascal. Oh, got it. And the foul. He's got 51. 51 for Pascal Siakam.
52 here at Madison Square Garden. Pascal Siakam was absolutely sensational. From Pascal Siakam from Spicy P, we get to Special K. Kenny the Jetsmith joins us now to discuss what was a monumental night at MSG. What's up, Kenny? How are you, man? I like that. I haven't been called Special K since I was like 12. <laughs> Do you, you, obviously, you grew up in New York City. You remember Special K. Well, spe well, yeah, Special K, you're talking about from the New York Nets, or yeah. Jersey Nets, or whatever they were at the time. However, that was my rap name. Yes, <laughs> K. There was another rapper by the name of Special. So, so did Kenny have lyrics, or did Kenny just want to look cool in the neighborhood? I think every New Yorker has eight bars that could kill <laughs> at any time. Do you remember your same, eight bars? Of course, of course. Uh, it's the kid from Ken Weems with two NBA rings. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So you're the man to talk to today. Oh, is that an espresso? Are you hammering uh, yes. a little espresso? Yeah, I'm in an undisclosed location, so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying life right now with this Christmas oh, holiday break. <laughs> I, I, you look good. You look comfortable. And I need to talk to you about doing it at MSG. Uh, it feels different. As a New York kid who is no longer a kid, why is it always a little bit different when someone does it at MSG? Well, the one thing about Madison Square Garden and the fans of New York, they have an appreciation for things other than scoring. They are ooh and ah at every move and every pass and every great pick. There's a different type of level. When it, I, I, what, it, what I always say is like, New York don't have New York doesn't have the doesn't have the best fans all the time, but they have the fans that are most interested. And so, you could play a game in New York City, and everything about your game, Pascal's was scoring that night, what could be appreciated on every moment. People aren't on their cell phones. People aren't recording. They aren't having this private conversation. They're there to watch the game. Right. So when Pascal does that, we have the conversation in here, can he be that guy? And, and when I mean that guy, I don't mean all NBA. He's already done that. Can he be the guy to elevate this team to that level where they're contenders? Do you see Pascal Siakam in that level? Well, you, you, you're talking about the level that Kawhi Leonard did. Right. Um, exactly. And I think, I think the one thing that Pascal would have to see if he could possess is physically, he's not always the most imposing force. You know, where Kevin Durant, his physical stature at seven feet playing in a guard position sometimes does that. Uh, you know, um, Kawhi, when he was there, his, his physical prowess can do that. And Joel Embiid, his physical prowess. So even when they're not having great games skill-wise, you know, they could just be physically better than you, a better athlete. And that's where I think the tough part for guys like Pascal, sometimes Devin Booker I put in that category, mm. they just don't always physically outmatch you when they're having a tough night skill-wise. So he has to outskill you every night. And that's a tough job, but it's a, it's a job that he's, you know, he's getting accustomed to, but he is, he really has to outskill you every night. So let's talk about this because I, I remember at the start of the year, we were chatting with you and you were very high on the Raptors and their depth. It hasn't all worked out that way. They've had a few injuries, but to be at 14 and 18 is surprising more than a few folks. Are you still high? on the Toronto Raptors for this season? I, I'm still high when they're healthy. Right. Um, you know, I don't think 
they're, they're, the one thing about each player there, they might not be the best player in their position in the league, but they put each other in the right position. So your best – so Van Vliet, when he's missing, someone else has to play the point and, and handle the ball more than they would come. When Pascal's not there, someone else has to take more shots. When Scotty's not there, someone else else has now be the best defender. But when they're all there, they, they're in a natural role, which would have made them, I think, more closer to 20 and 12 if they were all help, healthy at one time. So you mentioned Scotty Barnes, and there's been a lot of consternation in these parts about what Scotty has been in his sophomore year. You've been there. You've done that. Last night it was two points, his second straight single-digit game in terms of scoring. He seems a little bit more tentative. The body language isn't really there. Uh, what is it about the second season, Kenny, that can be tough on, on guys that look like they were headed to greatness or really goodness? Well, I mean, typically, I, you know, honestly, from the guys I know, including myself, the second year is easier than the first year hmm. because you've kind of figured out the league. You know, everyone, no one's a surprise to you. Like, you know, my first year, I, I came into the league and we playing the Utah Jazz. And I looked down at the other end. I'm like, who's that insurance guy trying to guard me? And they're like, oh, John Stockton. He's going to start tonight. I played against John Stockton his first game that he ever started as a Utah Jazz. Right. And I'm like, he's a, he looks like an, he sells insurance. I'm like, I'm not worried about this guy. And you obviously we know who we became. So you, you learn the league better. Right. And you know that, you know, the deficiencies and the strengths of players they might know yours, but you had a chance to work on those as well. So I always thought the sophomore year would be better than your first year. So, so what do you make of Scotty's numbers all being down in the second year? Does that worry you? I, I just always acclimated, is he really as healthy as I thought he would have been, you know, after that injury last year in the playoffs? Is he, is he fully recovered? Is he, is, you know, the energy that he had yeah. was so high on the defensive end. Um, that I don't, that's the part where, you know, you have a 6'8 guy who's physical that was picking up, you know, guards in the full court. That, that was impressive to me more than anything he, he did offensively. All right, we were talking about the kid from Queens with two rings. I know the kids in Queens right now are wondering if the New York Knicks are real. Do you have an answer for them? They're really going to make the playoffs. They're really <laughs> going to make it, like, they're really going to make the playoffs this year. And they're really going to win a game in the playoffs. You know, I mean, the year they went into playoffs and New York was going crazy, they didn't win a game in the playoffs. So I think it, it, I think they have a, a great uh, core. And we talk about guys putting each other in their right spots. And that's what Brunson does for the Knicks. He just he came in, took the ball out of Julius Randle's hands and said, hey, you become a finisher. You're not a playmaker anymore. You don't have to make plays for anyone. Just finish plays. Be a scorer. Be a physical power. And he's playing much better. And he's playing. With, the numbers don't show it, but they're the easier 22 points a game for Julius Randle than he played when he had when he was an All Star that one year. Right. We mentioned uh, how tight the West was, and one through ten is separated by four games. The Golden State Warriors, after losing to the Knicks and the Nets, are not one of those top 10 teams in the West. Are you, Kenny the Jet Smith, concerned about the Golden State Warriors? Yes, I'm concerned. I'm concerned how long Steph Curry stays out because 
the, what, he, what he creates is he creates a rhythm and a pace that allows guys like, even though Jordan had a great one game, I think we have 40-something points, but guys like Jordan Poole, Weissman, Kaminga, Draymond, Clay, he creates a pace that makes them hard to guard and not just him. He could score if you slowed it up, you sped it up, whatever. But when he's playing in a game, he creates a pace that allows guys who are probably 35 to 40% shooters to become 45 to 50% shooters. That is what makes Steph uh, Curry his greatness more than anything else. That's what Steve Nash did, the, the greatest Canadian point guard of all time. And that's what Jason Kidd has done when he was a player. They create a pace that makes life easy for everyone else. We, we just saw the board that says that the gamblers still believe the Warriors are the lowest odds to make it out of the West. Does that surprise you? Um, that doesn't surprise me. I, I think that, you know, also underrated, you know, Peyton leaving, uh, you know, some key guys who were just coming off the bench with great energy who aren't doing that. Uh, I think also you had some of that. We won a championship and maybe some of the guys who I thought the reason they were great is because of their energy now think that they're great maybe because of their skill. Right. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, a, a yeah. hard statement for certain guys to accept. You're not great because of your skill. You were great because you gave great energy. Mm-hmm. Your energy was your skill. And now they're trying to like, be better scorers, you know, take a bigger role in this you. area. Yeah, that's that's backup singers is a is a key role, and you don't need to you know let Beyonce sing that song. <laughs> All right, but before I let you go, I just have to ask you. I know you're sipping espresso. Do people know you in the store that you are at, or is everyone kind of sort of staring at you, wondering what the hell's going on? Uh, I think that initially I, I should have showed it. They left. I had, there was a group of people here. And they were just listening to, to what we were talking about. And like, we're taking a look. And the guy's going, yeah, the Knicks. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, listen. So we're putting on a show right here in the middle of the place. <laughs> right in the middle of this joy. Uh, enjoy the espresso. Enjoy the holiday season. Merry Christmas. Always appreciate you doing this. And, and from the bottom of my heart to you and your family, have a great Christmas, my dude. You too, man. Appreciate right. you. There is Kenny right. the Jet Smith putting on a show that was in the local coffee house. That was so good. <laughs> Were you not that thinking that, that the whole time? Like, yeah. Yeah, is like, everyone just staring at him? Yeah, he said, I'm Kenny Smith. You, you might know me already. I have to do an interview. You might know me yeah. from such roles as Kenny the Jet Smith on the NBA on TNT. Very good. I'm about to talk on Canadian television. Everyone shut up. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one last break. We'll wrap things up with game time. Next, here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back, friends. Bauer Hockey's fourth and final holiday surprise, celebrating a group that's growing the game so all feel welcome to take uh, to play takes us to Newark, New Jersey. Easy for me to say. Here, kids from the Hockey in New Jersey program were surprised with some new Bauer gear from a well-known coach, Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils. And after going through a few drills and playing a few games, the kids got one final surprise, a personal invitation from Jack Head to a game.
I'm Jack Hughes from the New Jersey Devils, and I'm here with Bauer Hockey to surprise a few kids for the holidays. We have a pretty awesome program here in Newark, right? Wouldn't you all say? You kids are doing something right, and somebody want to come meet you. Oh, no! What's up, guys? How are we doing? Jack's another part of Hockey New Jersey in Newark today. How's that sound? Hockey New Jersey is a not-for-profit. There is no cost to play hockey here. We want to make the sport more inclusive, more diverse. It allows more kids from the neighborhood to try the sport of hockey. Let's see, we got sticks for you guys. Who wants new twigs? To have Bauer come in and give these kids new gear. Try this. It's going to really amplify what they're trying to do as hockey players. All right, let's see what you got. I'm on ya. Oh! You got to give Coach Kevin challenge people. I didn't make it in the goal, but I think I was pretty fast. I'm going to try out for the New Jersey Devils now. British Bulldog. Who knows how to play? It's like tag. Last one standing wins. I've never met a pro player like this close up. It's nice to see him like actually be one of us and play with us. He's like one of the kids out there. What's up with these socks? It wasn't enough for Jack just to come down and get on the ice with the kids. We're going to take all you guys to the Devil's Game next Friday. He's going to give them all tickets. He's going to introduce them to his teammates. Get in here, bro. Get in here. Every time I look down at my new stick, I remember the awesome day we met Jack Hughes. He cares about the program. He cares about kids in Newark playing hockey. You come here and realize what a blessing it is. There's something special going on here with these kids and this program within this community. This is where they feel safe. This is where they feel welcome. And this is their family. It's awesome to see. Uh, we hope your game day starts with us here at Tim and Friends. So here's what's on tap tonight. Hockey Central follows us in a few minutes. Then on Sportsnet, it's the Canes and Penguins. The Canucks host the Kraken. Regionally on Kraken playing some pretty good hockey. Yeah. By the way, I got Matty Beneers for rookie. I should you were uh, yeah there. yeah. I should I should be quiet on that one. I'll just mush it. Uh, Flames in LA to take on the Kings. Regionally on Sportsnet West, and it's the Wizards Jazz on Sportsnet One. As for us, we turn to game time. That's right, it's game time as we focus in on the games you will be watching tonight. It is a matchup of two of the hottest teams in the NHL as the Canes visit the Penguins on Sportsnet Carolina. Has won six in a row and ten of their last 11 games. While the Penguins, been good too, yeah. Yeah, eight one and one in their last ten. Sidney Crosby had a goal and assist in Pittsburgh's win over the Rangers Tuesday and he currently leads the NHL in even strength points. Crazy. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, Alex Ovechkin in the Caps is at the Sens tonight. Ovi is still one goal back of Gordie Howe for second on the all-time list. And at age 37, he ranks eighth in the NHL with 20 goals this season. Ovechkin and Crosby entered the league together in 05-06. How impressive is what they're doing almost 20 years is, into their NHL career? It is remarkably impressive. And we've kind of sort of lost track of the rivalry between the two because they haven't played each other in the postseason all that much of late. But, I mean, it looks like we could get something this year. I mean, I would take it. If, if you laid out some of the best rivalries in hockey, I think by the time we close the book on this, we'll realize just how special it was. I mean, for Crosby at his age, to be doing what he's doing, leading the NHL in five-on-five five points. For Alexander Ovechkin to be doing what he's doing at his... Like, it's unbelievable how good both of them have been and how we all kind of sort of watched them at the start of their careers, back-to-back, yeah. -back, first overall picks, going toe-to-toe -to -toe from day one. It's incredible. Something crazy just hit me. Uh, the fact that Ovechkin's chasing the record that he's chasing, we talk about him a lot. 
and hockey fans talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. He's in the headlines. I think Sidney Crosby might be underappreciated. I think Sidney Crosby's been underappreciated his entire life until he wins one of those cups and then you're like, all oh, right, Sidney Crosby's amazing. Or until someone says, hey, did you watch the Pens last yeah. night? Or I went to a Penguins game and I saw him and he scored two goals and I'm just like, this guy's still going. Like, I feel like his understated personality, kind of yeah. sort of where he plays versus the Canadian landscape of hockey, it's only those, like, the Penguins play your team. You're like, all oh, right. Crosby's still amazing, or the Penguins are in the postseason. Oh, right, Crosby's still amazing. But every time you see him, you're reminded of his greatness. Yes. And while we all appreciate it, I think you may be right. He, it still might be a little understated. Generational. Yeah. A generational player. Uh, week 16 in the NFL kicks off tonight as the Jaguars visit the Jets in a game with plenty of playoff implications. Tonight's game features the top two picks in the 2021 draft, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Who do you have more faith in tonight? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence by a landslide. I mean, since week nine, this guy is among the best quarterbacks in all of the National Football League, and I'll back it up with some numbers. Since week nine, his pass rating, 111.2. His completion percentage, 70.4. His touchdown to interception ratio, 14 to 1. Those are all tops in the NFL over that time. If you want to just go last three games, he's 3 and 1 with over 300 yards per game, 11 touchdowns, one interception. Those wins, the Ravens, Titans, and Cowboys. Like, it, it's, it's amazing to think that a lot of folks wondered if he was a bust. And where he's at right now, it looks like he may be fulfilling the massive amount of potential he came into the league with. So, if you were redrafting the 2021 draft, would he still be number one for you? Yeah, but it would go, I'm trying to remember the draft. It, w it went Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, Jones. Yeah. I would redraft it right now as Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Jones, yeah. Wilson. That's hard to argue. Because Lance is still an unknown commodity. Could be really, really good. You don't know. But you sort of know what Mac Jones and Zach Wilson are. Yeah, maybe we're losing a little bit of the shine in Mac Jones. Yeah. Like now that I, I think, think so about too. that, I, I mean, so listen, you, you need an offensive coordinator. I think that's important in the National Football League. I don't know if he has yeah. an offensive coordinator, and he looked really good last year. But I might even start rethinking the Lance and the Wilson part. Are you still alive in any of your fantasy football uh, leagues? Yeah. Got, uh, the weather's going to be... They throw a wrench in a lot And, of, and to be honest with you, I'm playing against Jalen Hurts, and I kind of sort of feel bad for the guy. Yeah. 36 and a half is the over-under tonight. Oh, yeah? Yeah, wins, the numbers are going to be... Winds and yeah. rain expected. It could in, cause havoc. That's why we always give more to the points winner yes. on the year. Yes. I think most smart. bulls that should do smart, that. Yeah. All right, that does it for us. Carolyn Cameron, Hockey Central is next. Thanks for watching. Talk to you tomorrow.